a tool for people to connect with the universe and begin to understand it. TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Some say manual labor has become obsolete in today's world. And one author says a white-collar career may not always be the best choice. I often find myself more challenged, that is mentally challenged, doing skilled manual work than I have been in other white-collar jobs. Then, how troubled is our foster care system when a majority of kids later turn to crime or go on welfare? An expert says foster children need better attention. Less than half of them are working. Less than 1 in 20 have a college degree. Many of them have had run-ins with the law. Many of them are suffering with mental health problems, substance abuse problems. Those two stories and more are straight ahead on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Don't go away. Our show is heading your way right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. The American work experience has changed dramatically in the past 50 years, and most parents today expect their kids to go to college and work in an office. But what about working with your hands? Is it a dying art? And if so, what are we losing as a nation? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey is here to find out. Roy? Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Matthew Crawford, who has written a book called Shop Class as Soulcraft, an inquiry into the value of work. Now, Matthew, you earned a Ph.D. in political philosophy and then got a fairly prestigious job at a Washington, D.C. think tank. Pick up the story from there. Yeah, so I got a job at a think tank and really hated it from day one. And after five months, I quit and opened a motorcycle repair shop in Richmond, Virginia. I've also worked as an electrician. And I often find myself more challenged, that is mentally challenged, doing skilled manual work than I have been in other white-collar jobs that were sort of officially recognized as knowledge work, but in fact were kind of dumbed down in one way or another. So the book's an attempt to really speak up for the skilled manual trades and suggest that that can be a life that's worth choosing. That's kind of an interesting statement you just made, that you feel more mentally challenged by using your hands. Yeah, when you're working as an electrician, you know, the physical circumstances in which you do that job, say you're bending conduit, the circumstances are always changing, and as a result, you always have to improvise and sort of be adaptable, and that kind of work can never be reduced to simply following a set of procedures. Same thing with mechanical work when you're diagnosing machines. They are trying to diagnose why a car doesn't idle properly. It's not a trivial problem. And I think that more broadly, the kind of thinking that goes on in the various trades can be genuinely impressive, but only if we stop to notice it. Why do you think craftsmanship has become so undervalued today? Well, you know, back in the 1990s, we had this idea that somehow we're going to be gliding around in a pure information economy. And as part of that, shop classes were widely dismantled in schools to make room for computer classes. And I think it was tied to this distinction between knowledge work versus manual work, as though they're two very different things. That just isn't true to the experience of people who actually work in the trades. They'll tell you otherwise. And there's a bigger picture here, which is that the ability to make things and fix things 
think has a wider cultural significance. The spirit of self-reliance, I think, is an important part of self-government. And we're kind of getting away from that, and you have to wonder about its larger implications. I think many people think this kind of work is becoming obsolete or is being outsourced, or at the least is being done these days by immigrants willing to work for not a lot of money. Yeah, I think there's a big difference in the economics of making things versus fixing things. So 30 years ago, we learned that anything that can be put on a container ship is going to be made wherever labor is cheapest. And that turns out to not be here. It's usually China. And in the last 10 years, a similar logic has emerged for the product of intellectual labor. So what an accountant does or a programmer, they now find themselves competing with programmers and accountants in India. But on the other hand, what a plumber does, you can't fix a leaking toilet over the Internet. So there is a certain security in any kind of work that has to be done on site that it can't be outsourced. I would think that most people with a Ph.D. in political philosophy would have a hard time telling one end of a wrench from the other. How did you learn those skills? Well, one of my first jobs when I was 15 was working at a Porsche shop. And about a year earlier, I started working as an electrician's helper and did that work all through high school and college and was glad to have that to fall back on because when I graduated with a degree in physics and tried to find a job in the aerospace industry, I couldn't find a job to save my life and eventually found myself going around the parking lot of a home improvement store putting flyers on the windshields of cars to advertise my services as an electrician. So the flyer said, unlicensed but careful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it generated immediate response. There was more demand for that than for myself as a credentialed college graduate. You mentioned shop classes a little while ago. Do you think there's any possibility that some schools may reverse that trend and start adding those again? Yeah, there are signs of that. I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that for some people, I think probably boys especially, the love of learning isn't always triggered by studying for standardized tests. So many kids are kind of jacked up on Ritalin just trying to stay awake in school because they feel like it isn't really worthy of their full attention. But some of those same kids, if you say, hey, let's rebuild this engine together, you might find they perk right up. You know, there's another dimension to this, which is that I think dealing with physical, sort of concrete things entails a kind of moral education, too. In fixing motorcycles, as I do currently, you know, either the bike starts and it runs right or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you can't weasel your way out of the fact. There's a kind of ethic of individual responsibility that is kind of unavoidable in the trades because that kind of stuff lets you know right away if you've gotten something wrong. For young people who think that they can't make a decent living in a manual trade, what would you say to them? Well, first thing I'd say was, when was the last time you had to hire an electrician? They seem to do pretty well. There's a huge variability. I wouldn't recommend anyone becoming, say, a framer, at least in this part of the country, because the barriers to entry are low. But if you're in something like heating, ventilating, air conditioning or plumbing, anything that requires a license, you know, there's a certain investment you have to make to get qualified, but once you do, you can do pretty well for yourself. And what kind of options are there for kids who want to take that path? Are there vocational schools these days? Well, there are. There are community colleges that have actually taken up some of the slack that was left when high schools shut down their shop classes, and there's anecdotal evidence 
studies suggest that one of the fastest growing parts of the student body population at community colleges is people who already have a four-year degree but return to get a marketable trade skill. And there are also for-profit trade schools that have sprung up as well. Well, you have an interesting story, Matthew. Do you have any final pieces of advice for young people? I guess I'd say that everyone is telling you there's only one track to success, and it runs through college and then sitting in a cubicle. But if you're the kind of person who's just left cold by studying for standardized tests and sitting at a desk all day, if you're smart, you might want to consider the kind of option where you're using your own judgment every day and looking people eye to eye as a tradesman, you're dealing with customers face to face, and there's a certain satisfaction from seeing a direct result from your own actions in the world every day. And that's, I think, something that we want from work. We want to feel that experience of individual accomplishment. Matthew Crawford, the author of a book called Shop Class as Soulcraft, an inquiry into the value of work. Matthew, do you have a website? Sure. It's MatthewBCrawford.com. Well, thanks for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thanks for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. They go in as kids and come out as criminals and welfare moms. The startling facts on a troubled foster care system coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.